0: Well, good morning to you all. Those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Ron Young, and I was a pastor on the east side of town for a number of years. For about 12 years, I resigned a few years ago. Um, With a group of people, we were attempting a plant on the northwest side of Green Bay. Uh, Fairly recently, we decided we weren't going to worship together on Sunday. We're going to try to figure out something to do in terms of outreach. And uh, I've known Pastor Dan for a while. I asked him if it would be kind of awkward if I start, if I brought my family here to worship and and he was kind of excited and said, no, you know, come please. And uh, so uh, our family, my wife Wendy is back there. You can wave. So, and my family, my son was up here playing guitar, Nathan and one of my sons, so. If you don't recognize us, you don't know us, but we'd we'd love uh, to meet you. So we've we've really appreciated the hospitality here. Uh, We've enjoyed... um, uh, I enjoyed getting a call from Pastor Dan asking me to preach, too. That was kind of neat until I found out what I was preaching on. So just a a word of caution here. I'm preaching from Genesis 9, starting in verse 18. Uh, Some of the content of what I'll be preaching about is a little R-rated. Maybe Uh, I'm going to try to tone it down a little bit, but uh, it's uh, it's it's interesting. But to uh, to uh, ease ourselves away from that uh, uh, excitement, uh, I'm also going to be reading Genesis 10, which is the table of of nations. Um, So that'll uh, that'll even us out. Um, Last week, we we saw that um, Noah and his uh, family are off the ark. And that God blessed them. Uh, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And we understand that this is a new beginning. Uh, the, the flood has... The judgment is over, and, and God is starting over. Um, the flood, the floodwaters came and destroyed everything. And now we have no one his family, and we begin a story of recreation. Um, <clears throat> like you, uh, I was... Uh, Pretty amazed at seeing the devastation that floods and things can can do. Uh, looking at the devastation of Hurricane Katrina, uh, the tsunami in Japan, uh, it's it's amazing. And then later to see the aftermath of all that destruction, uh, to be able to think about how much effort it would to, to take just to start over. And so here is uh, uh, the story of the new beginning Um with Noah. I'm going to start with reading the scripture and with prayer uh, from Genesis nine, beginning verse eighteen. The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these people the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine And became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine... And knew what his youngest son had done to him. He said, "Cursed be Canaan! A servant of servants shall he be to his brothers." He also said, "Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. Let and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant." After the flood, Noah lived three hundred and fifty years. All the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. These are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Sons were born to them after the flood. Three sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, and Tiris, The sons of Gomer, Eshkenaz, Riphath, and Togarmah. The sons of Javan, Elishash, Tarshish, Kittim, and Dodanim. From these, the coastland people spread their lands, each with his own language, by their clans in their nations. The sons of Ham, Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush, Sheba, Seba, Havilah, Sabta, Rama, and Sabakta, The sons of Ramah, Sheba, and Dadan. Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on earth to be a mighty man. He was like a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Kelna in the land of Shinar. From that land he went into Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehoboth-ir, Kala, and Rezin between Nineveh and Kala, that is, the great city." Egypt fathered Ludim, Amim, Lehabim, Nephathim Paphrashim, Kalashim, from whom the Philistines came, and Kaphtorim. Canaan fathered Sidon, the firstborn, and Heth, and the Jebusites, the Amorites, and the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Arkites, and the Sinites, the Arv- Arvidites, and the Zamorites, and the Hamathites. Afterward, the clans of Canaanites dispersed and the territory of the Canaanites extended from Sidon in the direction of Gerar as far as Gaza in the direction of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, and Zeboim, as far as Lesha. These are the sons of Ham by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. To Shem also the father of all the children of Eber, the elder brother of Japheth, children were born, the sons of Shem, Elam, Ashur, Arpashad, Arpashad Lud and Aram the sons of Aram Uz, Hol, Gether and Mash Arpashad fathered Shela and Shela fathered Eber Eber to Eber was born two sons the name of one was Peleg for in his days the earth was divided and his brother's name was Joktan Joktan fathered Al- Almodad uh, Shelef, Hazarim, Meveth Jera Hadaram, Uzal, Dikla, Obal, Abimele, Abel, Sheba, Ophir, Havilah, and Jobab. All these were the sons of Joktan. The territory in which they lived extended from Mesha in the direction of Sephar to the hill country of the east. These are the sons of Shem by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. These are the clans of the sons of Noah according to their genealogies and their nations, and from these nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word, for your word is truth. We thank you that through it we can discern your plans, we can discern your will, we can discern your love. And Father, in your word we can also see the sinfulness of man and our need for a Savior. And even as we read these words, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to what you'd have to say to us here, and especially, Lord, help us to be mindful of our need of you and for the grace that you offer us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray this in his name. Amen. So I told you, what a wonderful group of scriptures to be asked to preach on, and uh, I'll do my best. Uh, One of the things I want to just share about you with with Scripture and as you're looking at to interpret it, um, Scripture often uses patterns of past events and keywords to help us to understand what's going on. And and this is, uh, um, you know, some examples of this, I think, last week we heard that uh, Noah's flood is used as a pattern for baptism. So as we baptize people, we can kind of understand baptism better because of what happened at Noah's flood another big one would be like the uh, the event of the passover and the the sacrifice of that passover lamb and the blood being put on the doorposts and that helps us to understand more about Jesus and as he's called the lamb of god and is and is executed uh during the passover uh that we understand that his death is something that redeems us as his people so these past events different patterns help us understand um things going on in in scripture and this one is uh, is, is no exception. Uh, it tells us, and this is uh, my first main point, the post-flood world is a new creation. Uh, last week we looked at Genesis uh, uh, eight 9-1, and, and it says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And we saw that as an echo of, of creation when, when God made everything. And God made the, uh, uh, in Genesis 1... Uh, He blesses uh, man and tells them to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth. Uh, So with a new beginning, we also have a new Adam. And Noah is the new Adam. And we also have a new garden. As we look at this uh, 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 verse coming up here in in, uh, uh, verse 9, we see that Noah becomes a worker of the soil. Like Adam... Uh, now he's planting a vineyard, and it's kind of like the Garden of Eden. So Noah's kind of like the new Adam. There's a new garden. Here's the vineyard. Uh, and unfortunately, as we go along, we see that there's also a new fall. Uh, that's coming up here in just a second. I do want to mention here, though, that as Noah comes, we often think of Noah as the savior of the animals, correct? Uh, not just the savior of mankind in that Through Noah and his uh, family, there's the continuation of the human race happens, but also the animals come and the continuation of animals on the earth. And that's wonderful. But one of the things that we understand about Noah and his family is they were the saviors of civilization. Uh, They, and they alone, had to bring all the advancements of civilization with them on the ark. Uh, They had to learn, they brought their crafts, they knew how to build cities uh, and pass that on to their, to their kin. Uh, here we have an example of uh, viticulture. Noah knew how to plant a vineyard. He knew how to make wine, and, and he does that. And, and while the Bible does condemn uh, drunkenness as a sin, we also understand that God actually is praised uh, for the wine. If you look at uh, Psalm 104, 14 and 15 we read uh, in, in A Praise to God, You caused the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate that he might bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man. Oil makes his face to shine and bread to strengthen a man's heart. And that's from the Psalms. Uh, uh, Noah making the vineyard and having some wine is in and of itself not a sin. However, we see that he gets drunk and something happens. So not only is there the post-flood world a new creation, there's a new Adam, there's a, a new garden, we also have a new fall. We'd like to think that after the whole incident with the flood and Noah and the animals being saved, especially as a young kid, and, and maybe you had the same thing, and, and I remember as a young child, in our Sunday school room, there was always rainbows, and there was the big Noah's Ark. I love to play with the Noah's Ark and the animals on the Ark. And in my room, even at home, I think I had a, a, a Noah's Ark set. And you'd think that after all of that, all the, the wickedness that, that, that man did on earth, and God wiped it out and he saved Noah and his family and brought them safely and, and let them out, that the story should end, and they lived happily ever after, Right? Don't you love happy endings? My daughter was shaking her head, no. Yes, you do. We all love happy endings. Happily ever after. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Unfortunately, second chances don't always work out. Uh, one of the uh, shows I used to like on TV was uh, that uh, the one where they come and they build a new home for a family. Uh extreme home makeover I, I i enjoyed that i liked hearing the story about what's going on with his family and it's like they get the second chance they come and they build this new home and they the excitement of it and <clears throat> my problem is is that as i get older i'm like a sap and start blubbering in front of the tv and it's just not good it's just not good and uh, but I, so I don't watch it that much anymore, but I, I do remember hearing stories about some of these families. Like there was one in Philadelphia, and it just was a real sad story. And they, but they built this home, and it just seemed like everything's going to be great for this family. And then in a follow-up, um, someone did. I, they found out that you know, everything uh, ended up turning out bad they ended up losing the home. I think now the, the extreme home over they, they actually pay off the mortgage and uh, provide for heating and things like this. But it was a really sad story. I wished that I wouldn't have known that. I wished I would have just stuck with a happily ever after in my head, just felt good about the whole story. Unfortunately, in real life, second chances don't always work out. And I'm thankful that God isn't a God of just second chances. He's a God of... Chance after chance after chance after chance. See, (laughs) Noah comes and he gets drunk and something happens. Something happens that's pretty bad. It's bad enough where curses are pronounced. We should have known that something would happen. Because on the ark, not only were the people there and the animals there, but sin also came aboard the ark. If you remember back in chapter 8 and verse 21, uh, at when Noah had built the uh, the, sacri- or the uh, altar and, and, and sacrificed to the Lord, uh, it says, And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I'll never again curse the ground because of man. And then he gives the reason. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. And, and it was no exception with Noah and his family. And and here we see it come out. The events of verses 21 through 23 are not portrayed just as some event in the life of Noah's family, but a pattern that shows a connection to the fall. So we have a new fall. The parallels between the original fall in Genesis 3 and and what we have here are, are, are these. First of all, there's nakedness. You remember Adam and Eve, they're naked and they don't feel shame. Everything's great in the garden. But then sin came. Eyes are opened just as Noah awakes from his sleep to see what happens. There's a covering that's provided. Adam and Eve try to cover themselves. It it didn't work. In this story, you have Japheth and Shem going backwards with the, the garment to cover the nakedness of Noah. And finally, because of the event, there's cursing. So we understand this is kind of a new fall based upon that pattern. He drank the wine, became drunk, and lay uncovered in his tent. Now it's interesting. Um, I'm not a big Hebrew expert, but from what I'm told uh, or read about, there's a, a, a the, the tent can be read her tent, or it's, his, it's Noah's tent, but it's in the feminine. So it may be it may be that what's happening here is Noah has uncovered himself in his wife's tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told the brothers outside. Evidently, this is a huge offense, but what does it mean? What does it mean? Did he just see his dad naked? Is that really that bad? Is it bad that he would curse someone? And why would he curse Canaan and not Ham, who did it? And why does he say that he came out and told his brothers, and why is that a big deal? And and why did his brothers take such care as to cover his father going backwards? These are interesting questions. There's been often a lot of speculation. What I like is is to go and see how Scripture interprets itself. The natures of Ham's sin was to dishonor his father. We kind of understand that, whether it's through just seeing his nakedness and maybe making fun of him outside with his brothers. But I think there's something more sinister afoot, and I'll explain it here. The interpretation I'm going to bring forward, and I'm not the one that made this up, is that it's perhaps incest. I told you it was R-rated. Maybe that's more than R. In Leviticus 18.7, it says, You should not uncover the nakedness of your father, which is the nakedness of your mother. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father, which is the nakedness of your mother. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. In Leviticus twenty, seventeen, it speaks of if man takes his sister, a daughter of his father or mother, and sees her nakedness, and she sees his nakedness, it's a disgrace. And they shall be cut off in the sight of the children of the people. He has uncovered his sister's nakedness, and he shall bear his iniquity. In other words, the the implication is that perhaps what happened is, is that Ham, seeing the state of his father, in his drunken state, decided to usurp the authority of his father by going in and laying with his own mother. That seems horrible, and now I'm not going to get asked to preach here ever again. (laughs) But, But it seems that this is what's going on. He comes out and tells his brother what he has done, trying, in a sense, to get them to follow him as the new leader of this new world. They don't, go, they don't follow along with it. Instead, they go up and cover the literal nakedness of his father and allow him to wake up and set things right. I'll get to that in just a second. The idea here then is, is that the great pains that is told that Cam is the father of Canaan, which is repeated over and over again, is so that we understand that Canaan is not Noah's son. Canaan is not Noah's son, he's Ham's son. And though he is the brother, half-brother, or I don't know what you'd call that, three-quarters brother, I don't know, of, of Shem and Japheth, he is not to be treated as such. When Noah awakes, he gives a curse to Canaan that he shall be the servant of servants for his brother, in other words, what Noah is doing is putting the, putting the new world back in order. Canaan is not to be have the equal uh, in the glory and honor of his brothers or the, uh, the, the of Noah's sons. He is, in fact, cursed and he is going to be a servant of, of those people. Some of the reasons I, I believe that this is the interpretation is one, like I said, if Ham's the one that did it, why is Noah cursing Canaan? Why is it that he continues to make sure that we all know that Canaan is, no- is Ham's son and not Noah's? I believe this kind of makes sense. We also see throughout the Bible that the enemies of God's people tend to uh, <laughs> tend to come from questionable births. And and this makes it consistent with that. Because the Canaanites end up being the enemies of of Israel. We know that, for instance, when uh, Lot flees um, from Sodom. And his wife turned around and turned into a pillar of salt. They go to a cave. And his daughters, who are with them, are saddened because their husbands had gotten killed in in the, the fire. They uncover the nakedness of their father and are born from them uh, two of the future enemies of God's people as well, uh, Moabites and the Ammonites. So it, it kind of fits in the in that story. So they are, cur- he is cursed when he wakes up and sees them. But then God blesses or Noah blesses the brothers who covered the sin of their brother. They're unwilling to dishonor their father. Now let's to put this into context of what's going on to make, the, to make it even more dramatic. If you see this is the beginning, the new world, and there you have eight people. And, and God has told them to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth. And Ham takes it upon himself to usurp the authority of his father. There are many things that could have happened after. What if Japheth and and, uh, Seth decide uh, to gang up against Ham? Right? We could have had another Cain and Abel story. You remember that was the pattern. There's the creation. There's the fall. Then you have Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel. It looks like it's heading that way, doesn't it, as Ham comes out. But, but Japheth and, 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 uh, and uh, Shem don't go along with their brother. They cover up the nakedness of their father. And they wait for their father to awake. And he sets things straight. There could have been another murder. They could have gone along with Ham. There could have been all sorts of things that could have gone wrong here. At the very beginning of this new creation... And yet, the two brothers acted faithfully to their father. And how often does this happen in our world? People take advantage of a mistake, of a sin. Someone seeks to usurp the authority of other people. And what happens? Almost inevitably, the outcome of it is far worse than whatever began it. Far worse. And Japheth and Shem become, in part, a model for us. The New Testament says that uh, love co- covers a multitude of sin. It's the same way. When we see someone who has sinned, who has fallen, the object is not for us to take advantage of that, but to in love to cover that, to help them, to restore them. And when people seek to usurp authority that we don't go along with it we don't go along with it not in a not in a sinful way god's word tells us how things are to be ha- to happen if there is sin we're supposed to come on our own and speak to that person in order to restore them if if things don't work out then you're supposed to bring another person and the two are supposed to seek them to restore it. And we have order here. God always has an order to things. If those things don't work, you're supposed to bring it to an elder in the church, to the elders of the church, and allow them to make those decisions. The Bible never says we should cause a start a revolution and take it upon ourselves to mess things up. At the crucial moment, things could have gone really, really bad. But Shem and Japheth, they cover their father's nakedness. And Noah wakes up and sets things right. I feel bad for Canaan. He had no part of his parents' sin. And yet he is to be the slave of his bro- of uncle brothers. But some things that we have here there's hope that the lord provides first of all we have to see in this story that god is sovereign god is the one that's at work here god is the one that allowed shem and japheth to do the right thing to be able to cover the nakedness of their father his plans god's plans cannot be forwarded we just read all of of chapter 10 if we go back to the beginning of chapter 9 what does it say be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and what happens by the end of chapter 10 isn't that what God had had planned even man's sin even our most detestable wickedness can't thwart the plans of God and this should give us hope the second thing is is that the curse is not the end even for Canaan's descendants. I mentioned that Canaan's descendants become the enemies of God and His people, but you can see how God deals with Canaan's descendants. If you recall, uh, later on, well, we haven't gotten there yet, but later on in Genesis, we'll see a point where where God tells Abraham that he's going to be in a different country and they're going to be slaves for 400 years. Why? Because the... Sin of the people there in Canaan, it hasn't come to fulfillment. God's giving them 400 more years of grace, you might say, before judgment comes. And when judgment comes, the people of God come out of uh, Egypt and they go, I, I want to bring up Rahab as just one example of how God shows his mercy. Rahab is in Jericho. God's people are going to come into Canaan. And Jericho's this first city. Spies come out there, and Rahab, a prostitute, shows them kindness and hides them. God spares Rahab and her family. And even that's not the end. Rahab ends up marrying an Israelite. They have a kid. That kid, that son, marries Ruth. Ruth and her husband, Boaz, have a child, and that child, son, grows up and has another kid. His name's David, who becomes king of Israel. And from David, in his line, comes our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God even took a Canaanite, a descendant of Canaan, and put her in the line of the Messiah, Hebrews 11.31 says, By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. By faith, Rahab was saved. Here's the conclusion, and that is that we have hope. We find ourselves born into this world as Canaan's. We are like Canaan. By sharing our first parents' sin, we have sought to usurp the father's authority. Now, as Billy Joel says, "I didn't start the fire, right? None of us did. I was not Adam who who ate of the fruit. Right? My first parents sinned, and I suffer for it, and so do you. It's not my fault." that i was born into this world but as the bible said all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god we have all participated in our first parent sin in other words i'm kind of glad it was adam and eve and not me because surely everything would have been perfect for thousands of years until ron young was born and that would have been really bad but we have shared in our first parents' sin. We have sought to usurp our father's authority. That's what the sin was, wasn't it? You can be your own God. And we do the same thing. We know what God declares for us. We know what his, his will is. We know what we ought to do. And what do we do? We decide we know better than God. And we do our own thing. As Scripture says, we're like sheep. And we go astray, each of us to our own way our own way, sharing in our first parents' sin. So like Canaan, we're born into the curse of slavery. Our slavery is not to our brothers. Our slavery is to sin and to death and to the power of the devil. And we have become, by nature, enemies of God and his people, as Canaan's descendants were. But the good news is, and this is why we have hope, a covering was provided by someone else, by Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, we read this. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's us. You have been saved. And raises us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one can bo- may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So here is Adam seeking to usurp the father's authority in eating of the fruit he was told not to, that he might be God. Here's Canaan's father, Ham, seeking to usurp the the authority of his father, Noah, wanting to be in his place. In both these instances, there's a great fall tragic things have occurred because of it in our lives we do the same thing seeking to usurp the authority of god to be like him but the greatness of god's love is this is not only does he save us from our own sin by his own love and grace through the cru- crucifixion of christ on the cross and his resurrection it says he seats us with him in the heavenly places. You know that place we wanted to be? We wanted to be like God. We wanted to be have that authority. And when we try to take it on our own, we lose everything. But God in His rich mercy has not only saved us, but He seats us with Him in those heavenly places. And who deserves that? Canaan? Adam? Ron? None of us, none of us deserves it. It's only by the great love of God, through Christ. Some of you might be here today, and as you hear the whole idea of being cursed, it might really hit with you. That might describe your life. You feel like that's all you are, is under a curse. And when you think of God, even though you wish to love Him, you simply feel like you're an object of His wrath. That's not uncommon. One of my heroes of faith is Martin Luther. That's what he felt. He was told he ought to try to love God. And when he tried, he realized he hated God. He felt he hated God because that's all he felt was God's judgment and wrath upon him. But God loves us And has provided a covering for our sin. He no longer judges us. He judges his son who provided that sacrifice for us. And his righteousness is now ours through him. If you at all feel like you're still under the curse. If you at all feel like you're under his wrath. And wish to have that peace with God. And you wish to have that forgiveness. And know that that forgiveness is yours. I would trust that you would come speak with me. Make an appointment with Pastor Dan when he gets back. Talk to one of the elders here of the church because it's a gift. It's a gift from God and he wants you to have it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for your son Jesus. We are undeserving. But you love us. We thank you for that love and for the salvation we have in him. Help us, Lord, then, to believe, to have faith that that is ours, that we too might have forgiveness of sin and be seated with him in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.